Welcome to the Everything Coworking Podcast, where you learn what you need to know about how the world wants to work. And now your host, co-working space owner and trend expert, Jamie Russo. Welcome to the Everything Coworking Podcast. This is your host, Jamie Russo. This show is for you if you have or are looking to create something that is in the category of coworking, but that doesn't quite feel like it describes exactly the type of community and destination that you're trying to create. It's also for you if you have a big fundraising goal and you're struggling to make that happen. Our guest today, I met in 2016, and at the time she had a lot of passion and a vision for a place called Quench that came with a big ticket build out and a big funding gap. Since then, she opened a 5,000 square foot beta space, redeveloped 25,000 square feet of an old railhouse in Victoria, BC, and then moved into that new space five months before COVID hit. She has such an inspiring story. You're going to love to hear it. So without further ado, here is my guest today, Tessa McLaughlin. Welcome. I am here with Tessa McLaughlin. She is founder and director of Quench Culture Club, and I cannot wait to hear your story, Tessa. So the last time we, I think the last time we connected (laughs) was in 2016. And so that is five years ago. It would have been right around this time in September. So our, that was my first GWA conference. So the first year I was um, the executive director, maybe it was 2017. 2016, 2017? No, I was 16. 16. Okay. Yep. So we hosted our conference in Las Vegas. We have not had quite such a fun conference since then. (laughs) Our conferences are very fun, but um, people were getting thrown in the pool. There were like, (laughs) you remember Essensus hosted the party in the suite? Your disco party? (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah. We had the disco themed party with people. So that was a fun time. And you were there, you knew the keynote speaker. And anybody listening who was there will probably remember Adam. Adam, well, actually, he was our closing keynote speaker. He had a schedule change, but he was so fun. Yeah. He's standing on the chairs. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> he's like a big Olympic rower. So he's like this yes. massive guy full of energy. And he's like the rowing Ted Lasso, you know. <laughs> Totally. <laughs> so you were running a co-working space for someone else or just tre- like you had this vision of something you wanted to create and yeah. You did it. So yeah, yeah, so I I guess so in 2012 what happened for me is my life took this sudden turn. Um I had a very sudden marriage breakup and uh I moved with my two kids from Whistler to Victoria. And um, I was still in quite a lot of shock and and trying to sort of manage being in a new city. And one of my big things was I wanted to not be in a city where it snowed. Um, so I was like, I hate scraping the snow off the windshield. It's like my pet I'm with you. Ugh. So anyway, <laughs> um, moved to Victoria, 
And I was doing everything I could to maintain a sense of happiness, like um, because things were so chaotic. So I was like going to the gym here, going to yoga there. I had uh, my background as a musician and I pitched this idea for a festival. So I was working on this festival, but I had nowhere to work. So I'd go to coffee shops and I'd go get printing done elsewhere. Then I'd, you know, um, meet people for meetings in a Starbucks and all these things. And at one point I was just like, this, this trying to maintain this healthy life and happy life is just bombards you with busyness. And I was like, and that's contributing to not having a happy life. And I was like, why is this all in just one place? Like, why can't I have all these courses and things in one place? And I was like, oh, I should build that. <laughs> and so that's kind of what started. So this was in 2012-ish. Yeah, this was so in that 2012. Was early. Yeah, was I early started and- my first co-working space in Chicago in 2012. Right. And you could, even in Chicago, there were, Sam Rosen had a space. I mean, it was very new. Industrious opened their first location after I opened mine in 2012. I mean, it was just very new. Well, you you were ahead of me. You were totally ahead of me because for me, I hadn't even thought of the co-working aspect of it. Oh, there was Um, barely a name for it then. I, right. I remember like, I can't even remember what I Googled to find it. Probably you had the same thing. Like I had this sense of what I wanted, but I didn't. Yeah, back then yeah. it was. Yeah, yeah, and for me, I was just like, ah, oh. and so as I said, my background is a musician, and um, my sister went to a, a very um, prominent acting school in Australia. And one of the things I would love, it was like fame, really. You know, the old fame movie, not the new one. Um, but you know, you'd walk in, and there'd just be so much going on. There'd be opera there. There'd be theater here, musical theater. There'd be jazz. There'd be classical ballet. Inter- like, and I just remember the buzz that that feeling you got of having all those people with these different disciplines around you. And so that for me was like, well, that's what I want to create. And um, so I started working on what it looked like, and and while I was working on it and trying to raise money, um, I was then uh, employed by another company to open up their co-working space. So uh, I did opened up their the, three. Did they own the real estate, or were they? Yeah, then they were a company that they had. A, you know, the typical ones that still happen now. They have a lease. They their company has shrunk but they've still got this five-year lease, so they need to do something with the rest of the space. Um, And I think they had actually, as a consulting company, had done something with WeWork, um, helped them consult right in the beginning stages. And so then I was exposed to WeWork. uh, And I was like, oh, okay, so that's what this is. It's it's co-working. And anyway, so I opened up with them, and that's where I met Adam Creek. And then I left there. I, I said I'd give them a year, and then... Uh, and then after a year, um, I left and started working full time on on Quench, and it was full on because I mean I didn't have a business degree, I didn't know how I was going to build it, but you know it's a hard industry because you need space, mm-hmm. so you can't. It's not like I'm an accountant; I can just work from home and and sell you my services. It's like no, the service is space. Um, so you've got to. Ha- it's a very Right. Yeah, and capital intensive. <laughs> yep. Like, oh, I gotta buy how many desks and chairs? And you do you remember when you realized how much a chair costs? <laughs> like mm-hmm. multiplied to your point, right? What? Yeah. Good chairs. 
Yeah, and you're good chairs. Beautiful. You're we um link to your website in the um in the show notes, but your Thank vision you. was not, you know, IKEA furniture. You had a high no. end. Yeah. Well, so tell us who did you want to serve? Who were you? So did maybe your vision changed over time, but I mean, no. manifested is a yeah. beautiful high. So yeah. Tell us who was going to come to this space and, and what your model kind of looked so like. For me, what I wanted it to be was I was like, I would pay for something that was a service. So for me, it was all about it being, um, being a service. And so being like a hotel, um, but in terms of um, space and culture. So um, I wanted to make sure it felt like uh, it was, you know, a place that maybe you couldn't afford this in your own house, and but you but you could reap the benefits of it here. But it was also something for me that was really clear was there's some high-end co-working spaces that I feel very like, I like people to feel really comfortable when they come in and as if they don't have to like, you know, tiptoe around and don't move that magazine because it's so perfectly placed or um, that's just not me. You need to have a sense of comfort in your space. So um, we are more high-end for sure, but we're, we call ourselves a full-service work club. So there's no fighting over who packs the dishwasher. Um, you know, everything's clean all the time. It's not that sort of um, grassroots co-working, which is has a valid place, and um, we have many of them in in Victoria, and they're great. And I send people to them all the time. But if you want an elevated experience, then then that's what we are. So I see on your website you offer fitness classes. How does that fit yeah. in? Yes. Yeah, so we have a studio that, obviously, because of COVID, that mm. hasn't happened so much um, in the last uh, eighteen months. But we have a studio that um, is a fitness studio, as well as um, we can have conferences and things in there. So. Um, after this, I'll be going to a hit class and then we have yoga. And then so people just at the moment, people are just coming as they as they can. Um, and yeah, we also have a dance classes. One of our members is used to be a, a flamenco teacher on cruise ships. So he's really into teaching everyone flamenco. <laughs> So <laughs> I love it. So great. Well, that's a good, uh, you know, ice breaking event. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He always comes around doing these moves like this. He's fabulous. So, um, so we're going to be doing that. Um, we also have a meditation room and a library, um, which was completely selfishly built because I was like, I want to go in here and read a newspaper before I go home to the kids. Mm-hmm. And I've never done it once. But (laughs) aspirational, right? I I love that point, actually. Yeah. Right. And it's got little meditation pillars and a a fireplace. And then we have I'm what I'm in, which is our podcasting recording studio. Um, And we are we've got a massage room. Um, We've also well, in our, our first location, we haven't set it up here yet because we were only open five months in our new location before COVID hit. Um, I know. So, um, but excuse me. So we have, we've had a hair salon too. Oh, wow. So good because you just book it, walk downstairs, you know. So how, how, tell me how the hair salon model worked. So we basically, someone rented an office, but it was a hair salon and then members could book off their time and go in and, and get their hair done, you know, whenever they needed. 
The other thing we built, which I, I didn't think I told you, so um, we had this space downstairs that I always wanted some kind of cafe or something, but we're kind of on the edge of town um, of Victoria. So it's a little bit more industrial here, but we've got amazing views of the of the um, of the water. But um, we had this space that was sitting vacant, and no one wanted it during COVID. So we actually ended up opening up a cafe general store, and that has been a huge hit. That's so interesting. Even though your foot traffic is not sort of downtown level, not at all. No, but I mean, the members, they come in, they get their Americano, they grab a, um, you know, whether they grab a muffin in the morning or a croissant or something, and then they come up and then at lunchtime, they can go down and get a healthy lunch. It also does catering for our um, for our boardroom members. And then at the end of the day, you can go down and do your groceries before you go home. So you can grab some milk, you can grab some eggs, you grab some veggies and and 98% of the product we have in the store are locally made brands. So do you operate that or did you partner to operate it? You operate it. Yes. That was like, we can do this. Right. And now I'm like, oh, that's a whole two new businesses. Right. A cafe and, inventory. and a store. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. You, is that staffed separately from? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so we have four, four staff down there. Um, three permanent, and then um, another few that are three. casual. So we have four down there at all times. Wow. Yes, and then um, so it may be not turning a profit now, but will it? Yeah, I think it will. It's I mean it's very close. We opened in April, um, and it I think it will turn a profit just this past month. Um, we haven't actually we're looked. Still kind of, co- you know, we're not. Out we're of very COVID here. Not so, probably it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we have passports that are implemented here right now. So, and because we have a bar upstairs as well for events, and anyone afterwards can after work or during work if they want to can have a beer. Um, because of a liquor license, we have to we have to show passport proof of vaccine. Oh, interesting. So, yeah. Okay, yeah. so you have a liquor license as well. So if, yeah. before we go into this detail, I want to I want to just zoom out for a second. So you're yeah. I pulled up your website, and I hadn't noticed this before, but I think sometimes it's hard. We we encourage operators. You have to you know you have to be very clear about who you serve, who you are, and you have to articulate that on your website, right? So when yeah. people come, they know that's for me or that's not. It's not that easy to do, right? So, no. and our website's not very good at oh, the moment. So, but I will, what I noticed, oh. you know, right on the homepage is just so, first of all, club quench, right? So, that's a different sort of connotation than quench co working. And yeah. you're kind of lying on the I, website. You may feel like it, you know, needs to be improved, but we are a full service work and culture club for creative, ambitious thinkers and doers yeah. who see more. And it, it doesn't get into the details of, well, what does that mean? You know, how is that sort of manifested? But it's unique, the work and culture club, right? Has a, it, it implies something different than just co-working. And now you're telling me about the cafe and the bar. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Yes. And that's interesting, Jamie, because when I started it, I knew that we weren't co-working. Like, and even, even now, I don't really, like when I'm describing it to people, if I can see they're not getting it all out in the word co-working, 
Um, challenge I, is, is right. We're still yeah. teaching people what co-working is yes. but when you don't. I had another guest recently who's they serve a creative audience and they said we didn't want to call it that, but it's yeah. hard to not call it that for marketing purposes. Well, and that's why I because I called it a culture club. That was my thing. We're a culture club. And of course, everybody was like, you know, people would come in the front door when we were at our um our first location while this was being built, and they'd be like, what is this boy George is in here? What's going on? Or, or other people, I, I live in British Columbia. So other people would think it was a marijuana store, you uh. know, coming in for the pot. Um, so um, that's definitely been, and that's been a task, but I feel I'm nearly there where I can take that work and culture club out of it. And I can nearly flip it to the, the culture. Cause honestly, like when, and and as I, I say this all the time, there one co-working space or work club, it's a not a one fits one size fits all. You have to find the one that fits you. And um, operators don't want you to be in their space if you're not a fit because it doesn't help with their vibe as well. So um, I think for Quench, one of the biggest comments we get is this: how different it is when you come in that everybody's talking everybody's like the amount of people that work together the you know the camaraderie and the collaboration is massive and that is the culture you know we set the tone we set the tone for inclusivity um we don't allow people in who are making racist or sexist comments you know um and that's about yeah that's about setting the tone and that's what we do really well well, in executing on sort of what you promised, because I think we're getting to this point in the industry where there are a lot of sort of buzzwords around hospitality and, yeah. and the, but there's a gap between those who talk about it and execute on it. So, you know, yeah. your point talking about being unique and the, the culture and the, you know, the sort of club environment, you're executing on that. And evolving, yeah. it sounds you know, adding the cafe and and and, but you're sort of you're delivering on the promise, which is also not always the case. It's sometimes easy to put words on websites. And, yeah, absolutely. And the experience when you walk in, you're like, well, but I, you know, I thought I was going to get this, but I I don't get this. So that gap, yeah. Well, and I read something the other day because I'm just in another fundraising um, time. Um, and I read something and it and it summed it up perfectly that that co-working has moved to another phase where it's not about quantity, it's about quality. So, you know, what services are you giving? What what are you allowing the individuals or the companies to come in here and have the ease of having? You know, what are you, how are you removing that stress and anxiety from their lives and actually offering them a valuable service? So how do you attract your members? You know, it's been pretty organic. Um, uh, obviously, I'd started the other co-working space before, so I had a sort of a group of people that were really keen on how I built that one, and then they moved to Quench with me. Um, one of the big things about the first location that Quench was in was it was right on a main street, um, and I originally had lost my first investor um, because I was only in a one-year lease there while this was being built. And um, and to me, I was like, he's just like, I think that's a risk. And I thought, that's crazy. It's like a main street and we're on the ground floor. This is advertising. Like, mm -hmm. you know, so 
that was really helpful. And so that now, turned out to be a bonus. How big was that space? That fight space was only 5,400 square feet. Yeah. This one's right. 25,000. Right. So were yeah. you only in it for a year? Did it only take a year? To- no. <laughs> right. <laughs> this, this building here was an old um, BC Rails um, building. And so it was an attic that I'd found. And um, the attic had been an attic for 130 years. And you can kind of see, I mean, anyway, there's these big... Um, beams I'm going to tip my computer up for those people look like this we're oh, wow. in a full attic so yep. um, wow like right in front of me it's it's dipping down like this so we joined the two roofs together it was two roofs and then we just put a flat roof between them okay um, so it took a lot longer than a year <laughs> just a little bit <laughs> but five you know five thousand square feet is enough to sort of build build out Although you wouldn't have had some of the level of, was it really a, a beta space? It was a beta space. Yeah. We had the hair salon. We had okay. a bit of massage. And um, it was definitely frustrating because, you know, when you've got the vision and you can see it and and you think you're communicating it, but it's, uh, yeah, it's interesting. I really remember this one conversation that I had at, um, at the um the conference, which was so beneficial for me, I have to say, like um, just to to meet all of you and understand how everybody else works and how to frame what I was doing a bit better because I didn't really know. Um, but I was talking to someone about what I was building and I just remember he stared at me and he's like, oh, and he was in Industrious um, in New York and he was just, um, no, New House, New House. Um, anyway, he said to me, oh, you sound like you're building the third wave of co-working. And I was like, oh, and I, and I took that because I was like, that's so great. You know what? I think this third wave is about more services. We have to provide more things to get people out of their house and into flexible space. So, but, so I loved it. So you started with 5,000 square feet. Now you have 25,000 square feet. What does your product mix look like in terms of private space, open space, um, that's, I actually don't know if I know, though so we probably have about half of the space would be open. Um, but we have boardrooms scattered through there. Yeah. We have about of the 20,000 square feet on the top. There maybe be 15 that's dedicated desks and then the perimeter are all offices. So, um, I mean, if you want to get like how the revenue works for me, the the basis that we work off is is that the offices once the offices full that needs to cover the operations, um, and then the stuff in the middle of the of the club is the the profit. And honestly, that stuff is that's the culture, that's the energy. A hundred percent. But yeah. right, if you're only selling open space and trying to create that, it's challenging. So it's super yeah. challenging. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, one of the things I don't know if you did this because I went to your um, Palo Alto space, um, but I'm sure other operators have this where you have a company that wants to come in, but they're not the right fit or they want too much space. And so I I remember especially when I was in the fundraising stage and it was so stressful. I've never done anything more stressful because no one wanted to give a, a single woman entrepreneur who was a, a musician. Single, a single, yeah, I was a musician. <laughs> yeah. I was a single mom. Um, I'd just been through a divorce, so I had very little assets. 
Um, everyone was just like, oh, yes, keep going with your hobby, darling. Um, it was so upsetting. And um, but I got there. Um, that's another story. <laughs> but um, what was I going to say? Um, so when those big companies came in and said, well, we'll take up five of your offices, it was tempting. so so tempting. tempting. <laughs> it's like if I got them signed, then I'd get the loan from the bank. But then I've totally lost my whole company, you know. So, yeah. Have you had those problems too where you've had to do that? I think everyone does. I mean, I really, and I try to coach people through, I feel like you, you sort of lose your ability to be rational in those like pre-sales days or, you know, the first few months when you're open and you're, you're trying to stick to what you want to create, but you also need cash flow. (laughs) So yes. It's so easy to say yes to things that you will later regret. It's hard. And become more. For everyone. Yeah. 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 Hey, I just wanted to jump in really quickly before we continue with our discussion. If you're working on opening a co-working space, I want to invite you to join me for my free masterclass, three behind the scenes secrets to opening a co-working space. If you're working on opening a co-working space, I want to share the three decisions that I've seen successful operators make when they're creating their co-working business. The masterclass is totally free. It's about an hour and includes some Q&A. If you'd like to join me, you can register at everythingcoworking.com forward slash masterclass. If you already have a co-working space, I want to make sure you know about Community Manager University. Community Manager University is a training and development platform for community managers, and it can be for owner-operators. It has content training, resources, templates from day one to general manager. The platform includes many courses that cover the major buckets of the community manager role from community management, operations, sales and marketing, finance, and leadership. The content is laid out in a graduated learning path so the community manager can identify what content is most relevant to them depending on their experience and kind of jump in from there. We provide a live brand new training every single month for the community manager group. We also host a live Q&A call every single month so that the community managers can work through any challenges that they're having or opportunities, um, get ideas from other community managers, build their own peer network. We also have a private Slack group for the group. So if you're interested in learning more, you can go to everythingcoworking.com forward slash community manager. So wait, well, tell us a little bit about your fundraising story. Okay. It goes crying, asking, <laughs> crying, asking. <laughs> Who were you asking? Were you calling strangers, friends and family? Yeah. So friends and family, no. Um, I was just telling everyone. I was meeting with everybody, um, telling everyone what I wanted to do. I was new to that world too. I mean, I remember going for a meeting with an angel investor and him just talking about millions of dollars like it was nothing. And my mind going like, wow, I've entered into a whole new demographic here. Um, And of course now to me, a million isn't very much. I'm like, oh, that wouldn't last me too long um, in my business. Um, So it was very frustrating. It was definitely a time like I have this story, you know, going to the bank, you know, you you fill out the forms at the bank and it's like, and what does your spouse make? Right. And of course, you that's like the second question. Um, and then, 
you would uh, like, and what are your assets? And so the Canadian government brought out this um, this support female entrepreneurs, $1 billion fund, blah, blah, blah. And so I called the 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 bank that was doing it and I was and I'd already talked to this guy and and I was just like you know I'm really excited can you send me the application for this loan he's like well Tessa you've you've already filled out the application I said no no I haven't for the, the female fund he's like well it's the same application and <laughs> excuse my language no I won't but I was just like are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. I was like, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. If you've noticed that women aren't getting the funding, then you've got to look at the reasons why they aren't. And he was like, oh, well, Tessa, it's about equality. And I said, no, it's not. It's about equity. I'm I'm a mother. I've, I've been at home with my kids for five years. I've gone through a divorce. I don't earn what a man can earn. I don't have the assets what a man can have. Like, so that was such an infuriating time to realizing all that inequity and then I got to the point where I just had to be like you know what Tessa it's there get over it and just work around it so I then had um, a couple of investors and they were amazing because I'm actually all female funded at the moment oh wow I'm fully female funded and female founded so um, which is pretty cool so I did have two friends come in that I didn't know that they had the kind of money that I was asking for. Um, and then after I got them, they're amazing women. Um, then someone from the bank approached me and was just like, I just love what you're doing. It's amazing. And I, he's like, I want to try and get you money. And I was like, good luck, buddy. Yeah, right. <laughs> I filled out that application. Yeah. But... <laughs> it's like, this does not work. Yeah. <laughs> and he got it. He got it for me. So I was half, I, we had to raise over a million and I got half of it through investors and half of it through, and more than half through the bank. Yeah. So long slog. Um, how many, so how long have you been, you've been open? We, so 2017, we opened with our small location and then um, you know something else I did that might be interesting for people too, and I'm sure you've had lots of. Um, I, I'm sure this is a common thing happening now, and I've heard it in your um, webinars. Is I worked out a deal with the um, the owner of the building, so um, because I couldn't find any investment at the time when I had pitched him my idea for his building, um, I said to him, "Look." I'm not going to find investors who will put in the millions of dollars to renovate your building. Yeah. I just won't. Yeah. Um, but I'm happy to pay you uh, an extra amount per square foot to pay back for all those, all those, cha- all the tenant improvements. And um, and he agreed. So that was really, really lucky. So he essentially financed the tenant improvements that needed yeah. to be done. Yeah, he totally financed it. And I mean that took a massive leap of faith for him um, and, you know, a belief in a vision that I had for his building. So, yeah. So what's next? Oh, you've frozen. Oh, (laughs) Oh, there you are. Okay. What's next? So we've been looking in Vancouver. Um, uh, We were looking before COVID hit and we're still looking now. Um, so my hope is to open a 40,000 square foot space in Vancouver and then, then Vancouver will house the full vision of, of Quench, um, which will have, uh, hopefully a hundred person theater, um, or 50, maybe 50 actually person, um, live theater. 
um, and some maker space as well as everything that we have here. So Neighbourly will come with us. Neighbourly is our cafe general store. Um, and we've had so much interest from Vancouver. Um, and then, then that year, I, I, once we've opened there, I really want to see how the clubs operate together as a network. Um, I'm sure that's a whole different thing, but I'd love to hear how um, some of your, you know, followers do that um, because especially with software is, you know, how do you, how do you get them operating together? Um, and then my hope is to go down the west coast of um, of the states, building in little clusters. Yeah, hi. <laughs> Come hi. here. <laughs> yeah, I've been thinking um, Oakland in in um, San Fran area, and then obviously Seattle's a very big um, commuter area for Victoria because it's like right there. So we do sort of Seattle, Portland, Oakland, or mm-hmm. and then. Then my hope is to be in Australia because I'd like to move home. <laughs> oh, wow. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> how will you uh, how will you raise for your expansion? Um, so we're doing a small raise now. Um, that's to sort of get everything back up from COVID. Obviously, we were really like all co-working spaces and or event spaces, we were yeah. um, hard hit. Um, and then, then the next raise will be just going, going out again, looking for the, for the Vancouver raise. It, it's certainly amazing how, like to anyone who's thinking of building it and people aren't getting your idea, just believe in once you've built it, they'll get it. Cause yeah, yeah, as soon as I opened people that wouldn't even talk to me were coming in going, Oh, this is what you were building. I didn't realize this is what you're building. I'm like, yeah, cause you didn't sit down with me you know right um, I also just think it's natural people if they don't want they can't see it right yeah how many people can so they say you know I'm reading actually I'm reading a book called um monetizing innovation okay. and it it a little it's it's challenge because I see what you're saying it's but it's basically arguing that you should have like consumer proof and willingness to pay for something before you build it. Like don't do the Steve Jobs mentality, you know, and I live in Silicon Valley. So the mentality here is like, well, people don't know what they want, right? They didn't know they wanted, you know, the iPhone or whatever, but I do understand what you're saying. There are investors who can't see it. Right. Or the yeah. bank, they don't have a, some analog, Well, it's like that, right. Then they, yeah. they, they don't have the vision. Um, so you have to really, really believe, which is. Boy, do you have to believe. Yeah. Like, I am I curious mean, about your pricing. Is it, are you premium priced because of all of your offerings or. I mean, I don't think we are. We are in comparison to the other co-working spaces in Victoria, um, but our pricing is very similar to what a WeWork would be. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, yeah. I mean, Victoria, I guess, is a little bit, uh, we're, you know, we're an island. Everything's a little bit slower here, but, um, I mean, in pace. Um, but it, it's definitely been a hard, harder sell to Victoria is where people who come from Vancouver are just like, Get it. when, when yeah. are you moving here? Yeah. Like just open up, please. Yeah. So I'm really excited for that. But um, how different yeah, are the real estate costs in Vancouver? Oh, like Vancouver is, I think the second most unaffordable, I think in Canada. Um, I mean, we're close behind what 
San Francisco is. It's it's really hard. And Victoria, since the pandemic, has hit that too because now everyone's like, well, let's just move uh, to Victoria. Yep. It's beautiful. Okay. doesn't snow. Right. <laughs> well, it does, but it just doesn't snow as much. This, yeah. And we're in a little bit of a, a rain cloud here, so we don't have to – is it rain cloud? It's called? No, like a, a rain shadow. So we don't get a lot of rain. Yeah. 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 So I think it will be different. And and that is actually why I kind of have been looking at Seattle as well. I'm like, maybe Seattle's the first one. Um, But I'd like, I'd prefer if it was Vancouver, just a quick little jump across the the pond. And the 40,000 square feet, is that so that you can, you have space for the amenities that you want in the. Yeah. I think that's the truth to your point, the starting with the 5,000 square feet is, and I remember you talking about what you wanted to create and knowing it was a big build out. It was a big, but it has to be to, you know, to house those things. Yeah. To put everything in it that you wanted to provide. It's like, you can't really beta that in 5,000 square feet. Yeah. No. And that's the culture. Like I always say, it's not the co-working that that should drug. I want to be like this festival space. I want it to look like a Luminato festival or a, um, or Edinburgh festival. So people come here because of the culture and the people it attracts through its culture. Um, and to have an office is like, Oh yeah, of course I want to be around all those events and activities. But, you know, I think I, it, don't you find it really hard to be actually a profitable co-working space with 5,000 square feet? Yes. 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 Preach. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I talk about that a lot, I think. Um, and that's why I think you're a bit unusual in that you knew even without a business background, you knew you had to get to scale pr- partly to provide what you wanted the space to be, but so right. many people are fearful, right? They've never signed a commercial lease before. And so, yeah. You know, covering rent on twenty five thousand square feet every month is right heart attack inducing. Oh and God. so, when people get into it, they go small space, shorter term lease, yeah, because that feels less scary. But it will, it, it most of the time won't get you. It yeah. depends on what your goals are, right? Everybody, there yeah. are different goals for different reasons. But you probably found with the five thousand square feet, it's like it's hard to cover staff and have profit. Yeah. It, you need the scale. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I didn't get paid, so I opened up Quench in 2017. So I went 2016 without any money, any pay, and then I didn't start getting paid until January 2020, and then COVID hit. <laughs> so that's a long time to go. I learned how to live very economically, um, but you've got to, yeah, on the 5,000, you just can't do it. And, you know, another thing I'm curious about your thoughts on this too um, for me, I don't like co-working spaces that are bigger than 40,000 either. Well, I was curious what you were thinking about that too. Yeah. yeah. I think that is common. Some people will go. So, um, Brad who started hub Australia or the hub right. in Australia, um, he has said that. Cause I think yeah. they, when, you know, he started with like 5,000 square feet, his very first, you know, similar right space. Yeah. And then started to grow. And I think they've gotten to the point and they, you know, cater to enterprise users. I think he has 50,000 square feet, maybe 60,000 square feet in a couple of locations. And he said, you know, it's, that's a lot of space. It's big. Yeah. And you feel like you don't have your pulse on 
Yeah. Yeah. It depends on, you know, back to the, what are you trying to provide? What, what's your culture, you know, but think about like a community manager who's trying to keep track of, you know, or right. There's several at that, at that point, but you, can you know everybody? Maybe not. And so that's a a different model. Well, and I use in our pitch deck, I I always use the, the Dunbar theory. So the Dunbar theory is the one where he says you can only have 150 to 300 friends. So for me, I quench follows that to a T. We go, we only build space that has no more than 300 people. So we can only house max, like in this building, we can house um, 250. Um, And so Vancouver will probably be around the same, but we'll just have more amenities. Yes. Um, And you'll have a diverse, a more diverse revenue stream. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's interest. It's an interesting one, but once again, that's it depends what you're looking for. If you want to, like, I went to a, a WeWork, which was the first time in ages a few months ago, and I and I don't want to diss WeWork at all, but, but I was amazed how I instantly felt like a lab rat. I yeah. was just like, when you're going down these corridors of glass, and yeah. it's like, oh, where are we? Oh, yeah. and I really felt like I was a lab rat. I was like, wow, I wonder if yeah, they have I feel like do- I'm one of their numbers. Right. So they've made a choice and said, we care about the economic model. We ignore the Dunbar theory. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Our people are not going to know you, right? It's a different need. It's a real estate play. Yeah. And then the, so the people who are using that space, it's a, just a different right requirement for them. They don't care about the things that you're trying to serve, which is maybe they, maybe they do care. They just don't know there's other spaces. And also um, you, yeah, I just think that they probably do care. It's just that some of them don't have other choices or they don't. No, know it's it's an interesting choices. perspective. Cause I do sometimes think like, why would people pick or someone chooses for them? We were talking yes, sort of before we started absolutely. our choice enterprise companies. It's very easy for them to choose. We work because of its network and, you know, one point of billing, it's harder to provide, Totally. You know, the ultimate choice. And that's, you know, starting to change with like the, in the United States, the government just awarded contracts. Yeah. And so like the platforms will help sort of democratize that choice, right? We works okay. got one of those contracts, but 50% of the um, contracts have to go to small businesses. So we work won't qualify for that. Yeah. I've been sharing. Again, we're we're not in... seeing we work, but just a, no. a well, it's it, everyone. There's different things for everyone. Like, honestly, when I read that in your newsletter, I've been showing that to everyone because Victoria is a, is the capital of British Columbia and we have so many government workers and the amount of times they come to me for advice on how to build their co-working space. And I finally am just like, guys, I cannot give you any more advice. Like, you've got to consult me if you want me to do this. Or I've got a crazy idea. Right. <laughs> Why don't you just let people come here? Right. 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 You know? Yeah. yeah. So, Why support, don't you support the local support business? Support the local business. Doing this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and especially support, you know, when I think COVID was such a, a blinding realization of the the security of government jobs, wasn't it? It was like, oh, that's job security, <laughs> yeah. you know? So it's like, okay, you've had job security, now start giving back to. So anyway, I think it's so great that the government's done it and it's so good that Liquid Space was able to work the 50% thing into that. I think yeah. that's a small, small. I suspect the government worked that in, but Liquid Space right. and Just Pass, yeah, will we'll benefit from that. So, good. so I'm curious, you're, um, 
you know, kind of you're, you're building out your offering, your general store, your fundraising, what does your role in the business look like today? Oh God, <laughs> too much. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, when you have to wear each hat, right? Like, okay. Today I'm talking real estate. Oh, now I'm talking HR. We're hiring people. Oh, and now I've got to work with a member who's, you know, something. And now we're looking furniture because we're turning this room. It's, it's constant. It's all over the place, but, um, yeah, that's what my role looks like. I mean, we're expanding our team and, you know, I'm really learning because I'm sure that many of your listeners have been through this. Like when you start it, you're it. Yeah, you it, do all the you. things, right? You you clean the toilets. You you know, I mean, I remember coming in, cleaning toilets and yeah. um, clearing out the fridge and dump. Like that was, I did everything. Oh, the fridge clean out, right? That's, mm. that's <laughs> the tupper. You know what I get annoyed with is the Tupperware. Just take your Tupperware. Take the Tupperware. Yep. Yeah. And don't take my forks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> take your Tupperware, but not my forks. Yep. <laughs> but um, so I think it's really hard to sort of get to that point where you're like, you're giving people jobs and and you're going, okay, I don't do that and anymore. And for me, I I don't come from a, a lording over everybody and I'm the boss lady. Like we, we do everything evenly. So sometimes I have to, Andre, right? cause you can't do your second space without, no, right? yep. I have to step back and I have my HR consultant who is one of our members. She'll be watching me sometimes when I'm walking through the club with a, a toilet plunger and she'll just be like, <laughs> right. <laughs> so I think that I'm learning to step back a bit more and understand that that my value is better if I'm actually um in more of the development. Um hard. Yeah. And yeah, still, it's hard. right, you're in this in-between phase where you're probably not like fully funded to step into that CEO role. Have you read yeah. um the E-Myth Revisited? Um, I have, but I haven't got to the end. So maybe I should. <laughs> Yeah, but the whole like work on your business, not in your business, but that oh, totally hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that that was a big thing during COVID too. It sort of reverted back really quickly to like in it, yes. and then now I've got to really concentrate on on yeah. on it. And I think I think you know I really really believe that this this is the future. Um, that this way of working, you know, we were talking before this autonomy to choose, like. Um, trusting in people to make their own choices about where they live, where they work. And so these work clubs, because I do think it's going to evolve into offering more service to people. So this will be the way that, that people belong and feel like they're part of something, you know, like you said, you're at CrossFit. So one of the things I love about CrossFit people is they love their CrossFit. Like they're they're but loyal to their CrossFit. the people, right? We've, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's that thing that's going to happen with co-working spaces or work clubs as well. I think. Yeah, I think you're right, Tessa. Thank you for taking the time. You obviously yeah. have a lot going on to share your story. It was so fun for me <laughs> to you. hear what's been happening since 2016. And please call me when you're ready to start your space in the Bay Area. Yeah. Thank you, I and do. thank you so much for all your newsletters and all the web conferences that you do. Um, I'm really, and how generous you were to me when I came to the Bay area. Mm -hmm. I'm really grateful. It was great to see you again. Likewise. Thank you. Hey there. Thanks for sticking with us through the end of the episode. Don't forget to subscribe 
on your favorite podcast player. And if you are enjoying the podcast, please go leave us a review. It helps other folks find the podcast who are thinking about starting a co-working space or already operating a co-working space and are looking to stay up to speed on tips and trends. And we started a YouTube channel. We'd love to have you catch us on video. You can join us for podcast videos and Q&A videos and other things that we post to the channel. We'd love to see you there.